Hello, and welcome to this podcast of Sunday Sermons from Concord United Methodist Church. We hope that you'll find this message to be meaningful, insightful, and a refreshing part of your daily walk with God. Please feel free to share this podcast with family, friends, or anyone else who might benefit from it. This podcast is part of the digital ministries of Concord United, and we are grateful that you have chosen to experience worship and God's Word with us. For more information about Concord United and its ministries, please visit our website at concordunited.org. Got your real ID? I asked that the last time I was in here. You won't be able to fly after May of next year if you don't have it. The real ID, of course, is uh, different from the others because you have to, they, they need to know more about you. You have to give them your social security number, which opens up a whole Pandora's box of things for the state of Tennessee to know about you and me. But that way, uh, maybe we'll all feel safer on airplanes, hopefully. Uh, but, but we're using that as kind of an image for this sermon series because we, we live with fake IDs far too often. And I know some people may be able to relate to having a fake ID at some point in their life. And I don't know who would do that, but might have a fake ID that would allow them to do something they weren't supposed to do. Um, but, but we don't want fake IDs anymore, but we carry them around. We want our ID to be in Christ. We want to have a real ID. So that's where we're going. And today we're going to talk about uh, when we feel insecure and insecurity and insecurity is no way to identify ourselves, but it is a way that many of us go through life because we've believed things to be true about ourselves that may not be true. So we're going to talk about that this morning. To do so, we're going to go to 1 Corinthians. Sounds like a big churchy word. It simply means it's the first letter that Paul wrote. Paul was an apostle, uh, a disciple, then an apostle who wrote to the church at Corinth. And Corinth is a place that still exists in Greece. Uh, it's 75 or so miles west of Athens. Um, And in Paul's day, which was, Paul wrote somewhere about 50 AD, maybe about 15 or 20 years after Jesus had died, uh, was resurrected and had gone back into heaven. Um, Corinth was a wide open town. There was a lot of commerce. It was a very rich place. It was also culturally very rich. There were, was lots of theater, lots of music. Um, and there was a lot of, a lot of, I don't know, quote unquote religion. There were a lot of pagan temples. Uh, it's hard to say religion because some of their, some of their worship practices we wouldn't exactly think as being very religious. But because of that, a lot of the people in the church at Corinth, um, were not, were not Jews who had converted to Christianity because much of the early church in the very early days did, uh, did uh, consist of persons who were Jewish who then converted to, wasn't called Christianity then, they were called followers of the way. But there were a lot of people in the Corinthian church that came out of these pagan temples. And so they didn't know much about, about anything. It had to do with really organized religion. And they sometimes were intimidated by some of these others that, that, you know, if you were Jewish, you knew a lot about the Old Testament, most likely. And these people probably didn't know about any Testament at all. Well, there was only one in those days, but they didn't know anything about the scriptures. And so they sometimes felt intimidated. And whenever people feel intimidated, 
alienated or they feel insecure, uh, well, Paul will tell us what happens. Uh, and that also happens in our lives, too, for different reasons. So, so let's read from 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 1 through 7. This is part of this letter that Paul wrote to the church that he founded. And remember, there was no first church Corinth with a big steeple and all that. It was a, it was a series of house churches all over the area. But Paul would write these letters and they would spread them around and read them as they gathered together for worship. And so here's one that he wrote to them. Uh, This is from chapter 3, and it starts like this. Brothers and sisters, I could not address you as spiritual... But as worldly, you, could, if you, have a, you can mark that if you have a pen or a pencil. If you have a Bible, it's okay to mark. God doesn't mind if you highlight or mark in your Bible. But that's an important word we're going to circle back to. Uh, you were uh, worldly, mere infants in Christ. I gave you milk and not solid food, for you were not ready for it. Indeed, you're still not ready. You're still worldly. For, for since there is jealousy and quarreling among you, are you not worldly? Are you not acting like mere humans? For when one says, I follow Paul, and another, I follow Apollos, that was another teacher in the Corinthian church, are you not mere humans? After all, is Apollo, what is Apollos? What is Paul? Only servants through whom you came to believe as the Lord has assigned to each his task. I planted the seed, Apollos watered it, but God made it grow. So neither he who plants nor he who waters is anything, but only God who makes things grow. Hold those thoughts close. Let's pray. Almighty God, we pray now that you would, uh, you would let us hear this as you intend. We pray that the same spirit that inspired Paul to write would inspire us to hear, and we find truth that could change us forever today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So, so we're going to talk about insecurity, and as, as a way to kind of get into it, um, I want to offer an image. We're going to use two or three images from old movies today, um, but this one is from The Wizard of Oz. You know, in, when we're insecure, it's often because we're just sure something inside of us is telling us that we're just not as good as somebody else, that we think everybody else is more gifted and more talented and blah, blah, blah. And think about The Wizard of Oz for a minute, if you've seen it, and I assume a, 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 many of us have seen The Wizard of Oz. When, when Dorothy and the lion, the cowardly lion, and the tin man, and the scarecrow are there in the palace where the wizard is, and they're bowing down, and they're scared out of their mind, you know, there's the, there's the wizard, or at least what they think is the wizard, and there are the flames, and there's the smoke, and there's that awful image of his face, and it used to scare me to death when I was a kid, and that booming voice, I am the magnificent Oz, and, they're, and, they, and they all feel like they're about that big, and they're cowering in front of him, and, and they're just sure that they're nothing compared to this great wizard, and then Toto, Toto goes over and grabs the curtain and pulls it back, and what happens? They realize that the great magnificent wizard of Oz was just a man who was also insecure. And he was trying to keep his celebrity status in Oz. And so he hid behind that facade. They were just sure that Oz was great and magnificent, but Oz was just a scared man. 
And that happens to us too. We can have these feelings that everybody else is bigger and better and badder than us. And we begin to feel inferior and we feel insecure. I read an article uh, by a psychologist whose name is uh, Dr. Randy Gunther. And she writes, she was writing for Psychology Today. And she was talking about how insecurity has always been a problem in, in our culture. It's one, of the, it's one of the top three or four mental health and emotional health issues that people deal with. But it's gotten worse from the pandemic because we've turned inward, because we spent so much time alone or with a very limited group of people that we've, we found ourselves turning inward and doing what psychologists call ruminating. And that's simply, we just keep going over the same stuff over and over and over again. And what she said was so dangerous about that is that we keep going over what she called these critical inner voices. And you're thinking now, okay, come on, Larry. You're getting into psychobabble now. Not really. If you stop and think about it, I'll bet you hear them as well. I hear them. I hear these critical inner voices. Come on, you can't do that. Come on, you know that person's better than you. You know that person is smarter than you. We've been, you sometimes, these start... When we're little, a lot of times it's because of some childhood trauma. And it might not have been anything horrible, but maybe you just had a parent who was a little overbearing, you know, and kind of made you feel bad because it seemed like you never measured up. Or it can happen because you have a parent who just isn't there emotionally. Maybe they're in the house, uh, but they're just not there for you and you don't see them all that much or you don't interact with them. And what happens with that is that you start thinking, well, I must not be worth their time. And so then that starts this insecurity. And pretty soon these, these voices, these critical inner voices are just leading us out of the past and they're infecting our present and then they're starting to dictate our future. And it's not meant to be that way. So, so what I want to suggest is that we are stuck with the same problem the Corinthian church had, and there's that worldly word, we'll bear down on that in a minute, but we're listening to the wrong people and we're operating out of the wrong value system and we forget about this God that loves us so very much. So here's, here's something I want us to think about. It comes down to being either insecure or being secure in. We can be insecure or secure in, and we have a choice. We can be insecure of our past and let it dictate our future, or we can be secure in God who already has our future in mind, and a bright one, I might add. But it all depends on where we choose to live. Are we going to be insecure or are we going to choose to try it differently and be secure in? That's what I want to talk about for a few minutes this morning. And, and there are a couple of ways that this insecurity impacts us and creates these quarrels and jealousies that Paul talked about in passage. And, um, and I'm, going to use, <laughs> I'm going to use my own uh, advanced psychological concepts for you, two of them this morning, to help describe these two ways that insecurity can impact our relationships and impact the way we feel and can hinder us moving forward. One, I'm going to call the Eeyore 
complex as we go back to another old movie. We all know about Eeyore. And Eeyore, the whole character of Eeyore summed up by his famous statement, I know my tail isn't much, but I'm kind of attached to it. And, and that was Eeyore. He was never good enough. He was, he was, nobody ever noticed him. He would, you know, thanks for noticing me. Uh, he always just assumed that nobody cared anything about him and nobody cared if he was around or not. And there was this little cloud sort of over his head all the time and Eeyore just kind of slogged through life. And that happens to you and me when those critical inner voices get so loud and we start to believe stuff we heard whenever we were kids, that we're not fast enough, we're not strong enough, we're not smart enough, we're not good looking enough, whatever it is. And it may not have been that harsh, but they're there. And it can impact then the way we relate to other people. And it's almost like we're not there. Well, that's, that's one way that insecurity comes out. A lot of people can relate to that, but there's another way. And I call this the Tigger complex. Tigger, I believe, was just as insecure as Eeyore was. But for Tigger, it came out the other way. What did Tigger always say? That's what Tiggers do best. What do Tiggers do best? Everything. Tigger thought he was smarter than everybody. He thought he was faster than everybody. He could certainly bounce higher than everybody. And he was just a pain sometimes to be around because he thought he knew everything and he thought he was the best at everything. And you know people like that. And maybe you and I have been people like that at times where, where we just come off and we're sort of obnoxious. And it's because we're so insecure that we have to overcompensate. And that comes again out of that worldview, that worldly worldview that Paul talked about. So whether, whether you relate to the Eeyore complex or the Tigger complex or something in between, and my guess is we, we all sort of oscillate between them, um, it's a problem. And it can cause problems in relationships. It can cause problems with us moving forward. So let's look at what Paul had to say about them. Let's go back to worldly for a minute. Um, you are still worldly. For since there is jealousy and quarreling among you, are you not worldly? And what's he talking about? Yeah, we live in the world. What does he mean by worldly? Well, we're going to contrast it in a minute with being spiritual. He said, in fact, at the very beginning, you're not acting in a way that's spiritual. You're acting worldly. And all that is, it's two conflicting worldviews. In the Bible, in most places in the Bible, when we hear wor the world or worldly, it's, it's a set of values, it's a perspective, it's a worldview that is contrary to that which we find in the Bible, which is what God would believe. And so worldly people are those who want nothing of the kingdom. They, they don't accept or operate out of kingdom values or a kingdom worldview. And, and in the world, and in the world, we compare each other. And that's the way it works in the world. And we try to gain an advantage on Sonny because we think they have a weakness here. Or maybe they have a strength there we want to stay away from. And we constantly do that. And by the way, there's nothing wrong with being competitive. Don't hear me say that. Um, a bit of having a competitive spirit can go a long way in the world. But it can also break us in half if we, if we are giving undue value to these people with whom we compete. And, and often we do that. In the world, insecurity, 
feeds on the accomplishments of others and the results of that are never good. Insecurity thrives in the world where inner voices tell us we don't matter as much as others. Um, This Dr. Gunther that I read, she said that one of the biggest issues that people have with insecurity is that we have convinced ourselves that we are different from everyone else. Do you ever feel that way? Well, I, you know, I don't know. I'm, I just think I'm different. I, I don't think that way. And, and I'm just not that smart. And I just don't think I can do this because look at this person over here and how well they're doing. And don't forget the curtain and the Wizard of Oz whenever we start thinking that way about others, but we do. And we think that we don't matter. Now, I've said this a hundred times, so here's a hundred and one. If you, if you think you don't matter to anybody, look at the cross. Whenever, we're, whenever we stop thinking about the world for a second and we think about God and we, and we think in a spiritual way, we remember that we mattered enough to Jesus for him to die for us. Now, that should register, that should register with us. You, you do matter. And the Spirit came, the Spirit came to, to mediate Jesus' presence in our lives. So when we talk about being spiritual, we're talking about a couple of three different things. We're talking about living according to the Spirit, uh, the fruits of the Spirit, living in a way that honors. Just think of the Ten Commandments, because those are still there. They didn't go away. Uh, we, we, you know, we don't get in trouble just because we mess one of them up now, because there's grace. But being in, living in a spiritual way means that we're going to pay attention to those commandments and try to do our best to live out of the way God wants us to live. But it also means being spiritual is that we're attentive to this Holy Spirit who is actually in the world and with us. And that means that Jesus is with us. And that means that Jesus always thinks that we matter. And he will stand between harm and us because we matter so much. If you wonder... If you wonder how much you matter to Jesus, think about the story of the woman who was caught in adultery. Uh, and, and if you've never heard that story before, that's okay. It's, there was this woman who was caught in adultery, and in those days, they never brought the man in. The woman always the one who took, who took the brunt of that, and that was never, never seemed right to me, because it does take two to tango. But in this particular story, this woman is brought Uh, before this angry mob with stones and they are going to follow the Mosaic law and they are going to stone her to death for adultery. But Jesus is there. Can you imagine for a minute how insecure that woman must have felt at that moment seeing this angry mob holding stones about to kill her with them. But Jesus steps in and says, okay, whoa, 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 hold on. Hold on just a second. Let Let me just say this one thing. Let the one who has never sinned, you throw the first stone. Now, have at it. Thud, thud, thud. If you read the story, it's great. They just start dropping those stones. And Jesus gets down and draws in the dirt. Some people think that he was naming names and maybe even listing some sins for those who didn't take him seriously. But they all left. And then Jesus looked at her and said, so where where are your accusers now? Imagine how her insecurity shifted in that moment when she realized that there was someone who was willing to stand between an angry mob with rocks intent to kill her and her. Would just stand between them. She mattered that much to Jesus. 
You and I matter that much to Jesus. And when our insecurity flares up, and it's because we think we don't matter, psychologists say it's a good idea to think about the people that we love and the people who love us. And we do, in fact, matter to other people. It's just that circumstances can cause us to think that isn't so. But always then remember that you matter so much to Jesus that he would get between you and an angry mob with rocks to prove it. We can be insecure in the belief up here that we don't matter. Or we can be secure in the reality that we matter to God. When we think we don't matter to anybody, that's just up here. That's a belief. We do. But it can be very real, can't it? But if we shift that and stop being insecure in that and be secure in the reality that God loves us, it can change things a lot. And so when we make that shift then from this worldview that says, I don't matter and I can't possibly do anything because I'm not, I'm not strong enough, smart enough, good enough, whatever it may be, blah, blah, blah. Then, then we let God take over. And this is, this is what Paul was talking about whenever he said, what is Apollos and what is Paul? He was just saying, Who are, we're just teachers. We're just people. We taught you some stuff and you believed us and now you're in Christ Jesus and you are a, a spiritual person. I planted the seed, Paul says. Apollos watered it. Again, Paul was the apostle. Apollos was a teacher there in the Corinthian church. But it was God who made it grow. And that takes all the pressure off of our insecurity. Whenever we remember that it's God that's going to make, if it's good, if it's a good thing. Now, if it's a bad thing, God's not going to make it grow. But if we're doing something in the spirit, if we're doing something that God would, would be for, and that can happen in any walk of life. You know, it can happen at school, it can happen at work, it can happen anywhere. We can decide that there's something we want to accomplish that is godly and good, then God will make it grow. God will be in it with us. That's a guarantee. And it takes the pressure off and it eases some of that insecurity that's all about us. When we are, in, we are insecure, when we think it's all up to us, we are secure in God when we give it all up to him. And that's what we do when we are in the spirit. Now, I don't know what it is in your life that you're trying to, that you're trying to juggle and you're trying to take care of. And again, it doesn't mean that we shouldn't work and that we shouldn't use all the gifts that God has given us and all the talents and all the opportunities and all the resources to do our best. I'm not saying that. But if we think it's all up to us and everything, our families, our job, school, if everything is all up to us, then that insecurity is going to really flare up. So, so how do we make that transition? How do we, how do we step out of that worldview? Well, there are lots of ways to do it. You know, we're doing this read through the Bible uh, campaign and it's wonderful. And so many people have been impacted so positively, positively by that. That's one way is, is to get ourselves more familiar with God's ways by reading his word. But we already do perhaps the most powerful exercise on the planet to get ourselves out of the world and into the spirit. We pray, right? Don't we already do that when we're insecure? If we wake up one morning and go, oh, 
there's a knot there and I never noticed that before. Or I've got this pain over here and I've never had that before and I'm pretty sure I didn't hurt myself. Uh, you know, or, or whatever, what other symptoms and we start worrying, am I, am I getting sick? What do we do when we start worrying about our health? We pray. Or for someone else's health, we pray. So we step out of that world and into this, this spiritual dimension that allows God to come in and be a part of it. Oh, we do the same thing if we're at school and, and we've got a big test coming up, you know, it's, there's, it's absolutely all right to say, Lord, I'm just praying that you'll help me do my best here. You know, just help me to think, to clear my head and just to do my very best on this exam because this is really important. Or at work, I've got a big meeting coming up. I've got a conflict with a coworker. Lord, Lord, help me to come at this your way and not my way. We say those prayers and it changes things. I mean, it puts us in touch with God who can make a difference in those situations. And it reminds us more than anything that we are not alone at that exam table. We're not alone in the examination room. We're not alone talking to some lawyer if there's a problem in our life. We're not alone at work if there's a conflict. We're not alone. God is there with us. And we can rest in that. And when that happens, the insecurity starts to fade. Will it go away completely? You know, I don't know. But I know that it does make a difference. I, years ago, years ago when Lauren was five, we were, and I was in the radio business, we had gone to Disney for the opening of Typhoon Lagoon. And we were doing some broadcast, radio station was broadcasting down there, and I was able to take Lynn and, and uh, Lauren with me. Christy was two at the time. I think we left her at home with some newspaper and cat food or something. <laughs> I think. But anyway, no, she, she didn't go. She was too little. But we took Lauren. And we hit it hard. We hit Disney hard. And I was getting up every morning early, and they, and they were uh, to, to, for the broadcast and blah, blah, blah. It was a very tiring week. And so our representative invited us to go to dinner at Alfredo's, which is an Italian restaurant in the Italian pavilion over in Epcot. Well, if you've ever been there, you know how far it is from the monorail station around the waters of the world to the Italian pavilion? It's a long way. So Lauren was so tired. We'd, this was like five or six days into the trip. So we're on, uh, we're on the bus to the monorail station. We get to the monorail station, and Lauren's asleep. She's asleep in my, she climbed up in my lap and, and fell asleep. So we, we rode the monorail over to Epcot, and as the monorail doors open, huge crack of thunder, and it starts raining. And I thought, oh my gosh, Lauren is scared of thunderstorms. This is going to be... She never woke up. We, <laughs> we walk, ran, oh my gosh, all the way around. It took a long time, but we made it. And Lauren never woke up. It rained, it thundered, there was lightning. We were pushed our way through crowds. And I held her the whole time. And she was asleep the whole time till we got into Alfredo's and sat down on a little bench. They were waiting for our table to be ready. And I don't know if she smelled the smelled the garlic bread in the air or whatever. But she woke up and she looked at me and she said, I'm hungry. <laughs> oh, that's my girl. Yeah, I mean, she was oblivious. There was no insecurity. There, were no, there was no worry. Because for, for all that I am and all that I'm not and all my failures and weaknesses, I'm her father. And she was in her father's arms and she just rested there in the middle of the storm. 
we can do the same thing. When we're in the spirit, we, we allow ourselves, if nothing more, we allow ourselves to just rest in the arms of this father that we matter so much to. Oh my gosh, you can't imagine. And hopefully when that happens, that impacts this insecurity. So, so we can be, we can choose to go ahead and be insecure in the world and all these comparisons and all these things that cause us to feel less than other people. Or we can be secure in the knowledge that the God of the universe loves us, we matter to him, and whatever's going on, he's going to stand between us and trouble. And whatever we get involved in, he will see that it grows. Amen? Let's pray together. Almighty God, we thank you for loving us that much. And we do get insecure, Lord, and you know it. You know when we struggle, and you hate that for us, but we do. We do. We're only human, just like the people in Corinth. But Lord, we want to be more spiritual. So help us to remember that you're there. And with a prayer, we can find ourselves in your presence. And we can find ourselves remembering how much we matter. And that instead of comparing ourselves to others, we, we get a glimpse of how incomparable you think we are, along with everybody else. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to this sermon from Concord United Methodist Church. This podcast is a ministry of Concord United, and we would love to hear from you. To contact us, please send an email to podcasts at concordunited.org with sermons in the subject line. For more information about Concord United, including worship times, service opportunities, mission efforts, and classes, please visit our website at concordunited.org. We also invite you to download and enjoy our daily devotional podcasts presented by the pastors and members of Concord United. Finally, we would appreciate it if you would leave a rating and a review of this podcast so that others can discover it and benefit from it.